Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. from the blessed west coast come on pastor malachi wall as he comes to preach the word this morning thank you okay uh, i i was just loving being here in worship and because I, I one of my favorite things in the body of Christ is the fact that you can go anywhere in the world and you take some time and you turn your eyes to Jesus and you worship and the presence in the room is identical. My, that same grandpa that, uh, that planted that church, I I went to Africa with him at one point and I was in Mozambique and I, I still remember they're all singing in Portuguese and whatever their local tongue is. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I guess I speak in tongues. I don't know what to do here. I had no idea. I knew Jesus. That was it. And the exact same feeling is in the room. The, the presence of God is, is consistent. And um, I'm going to ask you ahead of time, because I have a bad habit of saying it and then starting reading. Everyone's flipping their Bibles to turn to Mark 5 with me. And we, we had an amazing weekend. They did eat a loaf of bread. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was like, it was kind of cool at the start where you're like, oh, look at these guys. They're going. They're like little chipmunks. And then people, their, their teammates came with cups of water. They're like, the best way to do it is just dip it in there. But the, so they're running and like people are running across the field. I got another cup of water. Dip the bread. And there's like wet bread on their chest and like they're, they're, they're dying and then at one point, they get, like, some of them are, like, they're going to tap. So they're, like, three-quarters of the way through this soggy bread. And they say, okay, you can pass it to someone else. And the same water that they've been dipping all day, the next guy dips his bread in it and just... <laughs> and then in whatever the awful, dark games planners were doing, that was, like, station 12. Station 20 was, like, a full-on sprint. And we watch, they have to sprint all the way around. And they're running, and they're sweaty, and it's over. And Bread Kid is running like this. <sighs> and he's like, his team's cheering him on. But, like, one of them was the same kid that chugged an iced tea, a full one, on station one. So that kid, I imagine, is homesick today, probably. It, it, was, it was gross. But it, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I love... I love, I love the church of Jesus. I love it. And, and I, I have a word today that uh, I, I hope brings strength, that, that encourages, brings courage to his body because uh, God, the Lord's strength is found in our weakness. Amen? And, and uh, Mark 5, 21 And it starts, it says, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And it said, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. 
and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jairus was known in the community. By the way, before I get going, sign up for ProPresenter. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same every church you go to. I, I'm, I'm on the ProPresenter team. Jenna's on the ProPresenter team. This is my wife, Jenna. Jenna, you want to stand and wave? And she's like, oh, no. We're both on the ProPresenter team at our church. And we're like, everyone we meet, we're like, do you want to do ProPresent? They're like, how about lights? And Jenna's always like, what I think she says, oh, lights is really fun and ProPresenter is really important. <laughs> I, I love our ProPresenter people. That, that was me since I was like, well, if you count overhead projectors where you had to like scribble Sharpie on it and put it on, I've been doing that since I was like seven. I couldn't read too well either, so it was a mess. It was, it was awful. My Sunday school teacher is like, no, I said John. And I'm like, She's like, that's Jeremiah. I'm like, I don't know. It was a mess. But the, the scene's set here, and Jesus comes, and it seems he's always crossing the sea and gets off a boat. I guess that's why he found fishermen. He, he gets off the boat. He's on the beach. And Jairus, uh, he was a respected man. He, he was known by the community, and, and he falls before Jesus and comes to him with faith. He, he, he made a decision that, that, like, as embarrassing as it is, it makes a lot of sense if you're a father. That, that, that he was desperate, and he comes before Jesus and says, Jesus, I need you. I turn to you. And this has become one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Because I, I was speaking to youth this week, and I said, like, one of my favorite things in, in the body of Christ is seeing endurance and grit and strength built. Well, like the, the most impactful people in my life are the people that were obedient to the Lord, and they were consistent and obedient to the Lord over a long period of time. That, that, that's, that's one of my favorite things. And, and so like moments like this, like, like Jairus, this, this has become one of my, my favorite uh, characters in the Bible that, that when we look and... and we, we see these people interacting with Jesus that sometimes I feel like I, I've had these kind of moments, I've had these experiences. So Jairus went with Jesus, and verse 24 it says, And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered with much under many physicians, and had spent all she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, even if I touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately he turned to the crowd. He said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said, you see the crowd pressing around you, yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman Knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell before him, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. And now it says, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. 
Why trouble the teacher any further? I, I, I grew up, I, I lived, I actually still live, I moved back, I couldn't run away. I lived on a Bible camp, and I, I saw lots of powerful, powerful moves of God in that time. Pa- Pastor Jeremy and Brandy have ministered at that camp. Pastor Brett has, Pastor DeAndre and Pastor Brendan, they've all come out. And, and I, I grew up sleeping on the chairs in like the second row because my parents were like, you can go to bed. Or if you stay in church, then you can have a mug up after. Sometimes I was just too tired. I, I, I grew up and, and I saw powerful, powerful encounters with the Lord. And, and I love this story of the, the woman with the issue of blood. And, and it's a powerful thing to say, like, hey, we can turn to Jesus and say, if I can just grab his garment, if I can just grab the edge of his robe, then, then I can be made well. But a lot of the most powerful moments in my life have been less of a moment like the woman with the issue of blood and more a moment like Jairus. And I, I hope to encourage you this morning because I think there are periods of time where we've turned to Jesus. He came in the right position. He came with the right heart. He came with the right posture. He got before Jesus. He said, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this. I need you. In the same way that the woman came and said, oh, I, I just need Jesus, she even didn't even have everything together. She was kind of superstitious. She's like, I just need to grab onto some of his clothing. She came and she was healed in a moment. And I've been in meetings before where I've watched the person next to me come before Jesus. And it was like instantly, boom, everything changed. And I've had moments where at the same time, I felt like I I came before Jesus and I'm still waiting. But I I, I really believe that, that... whether you're in a season now where you feel like you're, you're waiting on the Lord or you might have just come out of that season and we rejoice with you as our brother and sister or you might be going into that season. We all have these periods of time where the Lord works on our heart and where, where our posture is challenged with when Jairus comes and at that same moment, the exact same moment that Jesus does something amazing for one person that he's standing there and gets word that he feels like Jesus has let him down. I, I like what Tim Keller says this. He says that this makes no sense. It's irrational. He said it's worse than that. It's malpractice. He said that if these two people were in the same emergency room, the, the person that's been dealing with this issue for 12 years and the girl that's on her deathbed, that any doctor who treated the woman first and let the little girl die would be sued. He says that Jesus is behaving like a reckless doctor. And this is the challenge we have, is that in our walk with God, we always seem to want to do things our own way. That that, that we, we, we triage things and we say, God, would you bless this? God, would you bless this? God, would you bless this? And please, in this order. And, and, and for some reason, I, I've seen it in ministry times where people, people have an issue with a substance. And for some reason, in like a moment, like their marriage is falling apart and they've got issues and like... In a moment, they don't feel the urge to smoke anymore. Guy I knew. Never felt that urge again, but he fought other issues that he might have said were bigger issues for the rest of his life and had to battle and work and battle and work and turn to Jesus consistently. God doesn't work in our order. 
And there are moments that we'll find ourselves in. Like verse 35, it says, well, he's still speaking. Someone came from the ruler's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Where we have moments where something happens and there's discouragement, there's disappointment. And at that same moment, the enemy tries to confirm the doubt we have and the worry we have with fear. And, and I believe that as we turn to Jesus, we, we turn to him for healing. We turn to him for, for the situations in our life. And we get before him, we say, Jesus, we, we give this to you. And we are in a constant, constant battle saying, am I going to have fear or faith? And Jesus, knowing this, he turns to them and he says, do not fear, only believe. I, I, I really, one, one of my favorite encounters with Jesus is the centurion. That, that he says this thing to Jesus, and, and, and he says, God, like, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And, and I, I really think that, that we have a, a, a good and faithful father. That, that we, we sometimes have this idea that we like to carry into our walk with God of merit, where if I do enough, if I have enough faith, if I can do the right things, if I can, that, that if I can do that, then God will do X. And sometimes what happens is we come to him and we have to just be humble and say, God, like, I, I trust you. I believe. But at the same time, help my unbelief. And, and it's, it's uh, a humbling posture that we have to take as his children and say, like, God, in the, in the same moment that I'm choosing to trust you, God, I need you to grow my trust in you. Yeah. And Jesus loved this man, Jairus, enough that he turned, he overheard, and he said, you need to have no fear, only have faith. And then it says, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came into the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wallowing loudly. And when he had entered, he said, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said, Talitha Kumi. None of you guys speak? No? Good. Okay. Then I pronounced it perfectly. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was about 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. There was a moment for Jairus at the start where we read, and he comes before Jesus. And then as they're walking, he's walking, and Jesus encounters this other person. She comes before Jesus, and it's instant. Jesus, at other points, healed people without even going to see them. And in this moment, Jairus has to walk with Jesus. He has this moment of discouragement and this, this temptation that comes to say, like, don't bother the master anymore. Which, which is, on a side point, one of the 
very, very important reasons that you need to be planted in the body of Christ is because when you have those moments of doubt and disappointment and hurt and pain, the voices that are around you are very important. I, I, I am blessed to be surrounded with people that are absolutely convinced of the goodness of God. That, that are, are you, you can't do a thing to convince them otherwise. There's this old saying that like if all you have in your hand is a hammer, everything you see is a nail. That, that I, I, I have been strengthened and encouraged by the body of Christ and, and my, my relationship to God, a, a lot of what I've experienced has been moments where I've had doubt and disappointment and pain and things go wrong and I'm surrounded with people wholeheartedly convinced of the goodness of God, where everywhere they look, everything they see, all they can see is the goodness of God. And I think part of the reason it's important to be in the body is that individually at times we can have moments where it's hard to see the goodness of God, but the person sitting in front of you and behind you, that they can say, they can look back in their life and they can say, this happened and this happened and this happened and look what the Lord has done. And, and, and that it's important. That's why I, I love the the pastoral heart that Pastor Jeremy had when he's saying, if, if you've got someone you need to encourage, text them. Reach out. If, if, you, if you've got a request, reach out to people around you. Because the voice in this guy's ear at that moment was someone saying, don't bother Jesus. And what the Lord's done is he's planted you in this house saying that, that you are going to have moments of weakness and of pain. And if the voices in your ear, if the first thing you go to is people that don't have a heart for God, the first people you reach out to is just that friend that you like to gossip with, then what's going to happen is there, none of this is going to make sense. Because they're going to, like, how, how can you trust a, a God to be good when this bad thing is happening? And part of the role of the body of Christ is to encourage And as God has called people to step into new areas of their life and, and into wildernesses and into hardship and into good pastors and, and into all these moments, he, he encourages and he says, be strong, be courageous. That, 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 that God is with you. And as the body of Christ, that we encourage each other. And the temptation is what Jairus had was to, was to turn away from Jesus in that moment. And start fixing the problems that he saw in front of him. To, to, to go home, to pick up the pieces, to, to do what he can. But he had a temptation to turn away from Jesus and solve his own problems. And, and we struggle with this all the time. And, and we, we understand that the Lord has a plan for our lives. And we trust that he, he's got a, the path worked out for us, that he's gone before us and behind us, and that he's with us at all times. But our temptation is always to try to pull control out of his hands and say, I'll take control of this area. Especially when we feel disappointed or we feel like God doesn't have control. It's a struggle. It, it's diff I, lived in a, I lived in a bachelor house with like four guys in a tiny log cabin in the woods. And one of the funniest things is when you run out of milk and every guy in the house looks at the Lucky Charms and says like, do you think cream will work? I actually, my one friend's grandpa drinks cereal with cream. I don't, 
I think it's disgusting. But, but that's sometimes what we do where, like, God, God has things worked out. He has a plan. And, and, like, I work a lot with young people, and usually it's always the same thing. It's like, where's my wife? I need a wife. I'm like, you're 14. It's not even legal. What are you doing? He's like, I know, but if I lock it down now, then we'll date for four years, and then we'll move to the Philippines and do missions. Uh, they're like, they, they always like taper it with that. They're like, yeah, I need a wife right now because I'm going to be going and doing missions. I'm like, okay, she might be over there. She could translate. But the, we, we, have, we have this temptation, always, we have this temptation where we feel like the milk's not in the fridge. We feel like God hasn't planned things out ahead of time. We feel like, and, and our temptation is to say, take something that's not as good, that's not the perfect plan, and to take things in our own hands. And, and the results sometimes are difficult. And we have to walk that through. But Jesus models something as he walks the earth and he, he talks to God as father. And, and I, I believe that if, if we as the church can, can understand the, the loving father heart of our God, that, that he, the same way a father cares for a child, that he sees us He's not surprised by the situations we're in. That, that he's not shocked at, at the thing we're going through. He's not, he's not choosing favorites and saying, oh, this woman came to me here with the issue of blood, and I liked her more, or she had more faith, or she did things better. And, and you, Jairus, you came, and I'm going to just, I, I, I just care for this situation more right now. But we have a good father. So I, I'm just going to encourage you with three things on the reason that I, I believe that we can trust God in our waiting. And the first one is God is good. Well, I grew up in a church that would, we'd be like, God is good? Oh, some people know it. I love it. The youth knew it. I don't even know how they knew it. I was like, you're five. God is good. And all the time, this is a staple in our walk with God. You go to the church anywhere in the world, this is a staple. The goodness of God is a state. That's why all, all through the Old Testament, they say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Taste and see that he is good. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. For the Lord is good and his love is eternal. The, the goodness of God is vital to understanding that we can trust him as our father. That we don't always understand the decisions that happen, we don't always understand the order of events, but we are not living in chaos. We're not living in just the, the sum total of all the decisions that were made up till now, and then it's just whatever happens, happens. This isn't chaos. This is a plan. We have a sovereign God that is over all, and that is a good father that, that sees our situations, that sees our conversations, our lives, our children, and that the people that we're in contact with, that, that child that we love and that we're praying, we're like, God, you got to get a hold of his heart. That God loves that child more than we ever could. The second thing is that God is all-powerful. That, that this is how Jesus 
could turn and, and say like that, that she's just asleep is because he's beaten death. And, and that the, the God we serve that's, that's a father, that's close, that is good, is all-powerful. He holds it all. That, that he, he, he doesn't have, like, a, a, a decision fatigue. Like, because he's had to deal with this woman's problem in this story, that he just didn't have it in him. That, that the, at the same time as he can be working in the person sitting next to you, that he's working in your life. And that he's working in people across the earth because he loves his children. And he's all-powerful, all-sufficient. He can do it all. And the last thing is that his timing is perfect. Part of the difficulty with understanding the goodness of God is that we have our own ideas of what goodness is. And that's what we carry into the way we see God. And we struggle because we say, Jesus, do you... I came to you with this and this and this worked out and this still hasn't. Why would you do this before this? But he is holy. He, he, he is, we, we don't look at his goodness and his timing through the lens of our goodness and our timing. That he sets the bar. He's God. He can do what he does. That, that, that he's not ever late, that when we feel like we're waiting, we're not. And as his children, we're in a constant battle to keep our focus on him, to keep our trust and our faith planted in him. And we fight with it and we wrestle with it in these moments because we have to choose to trust him even when we can't see it all happening. And that's why, like, I, I, I was fortunate. I, my, my grandpa, my dad got a bunch of his old prayer journals. He used to pray every day. And he's a very organized man. If, if, for the people that knew him, he was like, and here's the plan. We will go to Wendy's. And then we will go from Wendy's to the ferry. And then we will drive from the ferry to the beach and from the beach to the restaurant he was an organized man, and I, we read his prayer journals, and it was like, Lord, help me to trust you more today. Lord, pour your spirit out on me again today. And he would pray methodically, and he would say, Lord, help me to trust you more. Because the, the humility of saying, God, like, I believe, I trust you, but help my unbelief is a constant, constant thing as children of God but it all comes that we can trust him as our father. I think it was Spurgeon said that, that when we can't trace his hand, we can trust his heart. And, and I'm going I, 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 to pray and close. I'm first going to read Psalm 27, 13 and 14. And we, like in my family, we, we walked through things like everyone did in the last years. And this was one of the staples that we had in, in our body, at our church, and in our, in our family directly was, I remain confident of this, that I will see goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord.
I love that he says it twice, which is hard. I wish he said be strong twice. <laughs> but I'm just going to pray over you guys and, and turn it over to Pastor. Okay. And, and worship team, you guys can come up. And uh, Jesus, Lord, we, we trust you. We believe and help our unbelief. Lord, I, I pray for your body in this room at, at all stages, everything that we're encountering, everything that we're walking through, God. And I pray that you will, your strength will be found in our weakness. God, I pray that you, you uh, as our Father, help us to take heart, to stand firm, to give, Lord, that you would pour out courage over your children. God, I thank you that you, your Holy Spirit has not left us in these times, but it's evident and it's strength and it's the, our, our lifeline in these times. God, would you just help us as we battle trying to take control of these moments? Father, that we, we would turn to you as all-sufficient. Jesus, I thank you that you are good and your plans for us are good. And your hand is on our lives. And Lord, that, that you would bless and keep every heart in this place. And Jesus, that your spirit would make it evident to us that we are not alone. That we will see your goodness. So I encourage and I, I pray strength into this body and into all of our hearts. In your name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you. 